Welcome to 45 Forward, the beginning of the rest of your life. Each week, host Ron Ruel and his guests discuss topics of interest to many listeners in their 40s and beyond, including retirement, caring for aging parents, health, lifestyle, and more. It's time to think ahead to the next half of your life, and we'll help you plan it with ease. Now, here is Ron Roel. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of 45 Forward, where our mission is to help you, our listeners, from Los Angeles to Long Island, make your second half of life even better than the first. Patricia King has had a long, extraordinary career, and she continues to evolve with new projects and pursuits into her 80s. Pat spent 25 years as an international management consultant, working with Fortune 550 companies, writing five nonfiction business books, including the bestseller, Never Work for a Jerk, which landed her on the Oprah Winfrey Show. In her 60s, Pat launched another successful career as a historical mystery writer with the pen name Anna Maria Alfieri. Her early mysteries set in South America were followed by another series set in British East Africa, now Kenya. While working on her last novel, Pat came across accounts of British missionaries who sought over 100 years ago to end the practice of female genital mutilation, or FGM, imposed on young girls between the ages of 11 and 14. Just as her book was launched, she made another startling discovery. FGM is still practiced in Kenya, as well as several other African countries. In today's episode, Pat talks about her latest chapter in her life, how she met a proud Maasai woman named Sarah Lesamito, who founded the Sadai Resource Center, a nonprofit whose mission is to save Kenyan girls from forced marriages, FGM, and other regressive practices. Pat will describe her own efforts to support Sarah's mission, raising awareness abroad, and, and funds needed to continue the work of the Sadai Resource Center. Such efforts not only help young girls become full-fledged members of society, but they transform the lives of everyone in their communities and ourselves. So now let's meet our guest, Patricia King. Pat, welcome back to the show. I'm so happy to be with you. Uh, uh, really, 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 I am, Ron. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, it's my pleasure. It's always a pleasure talking with you. And I will just say for our guests that, um, uh, at, at, you know, during the breaks, I, I will come back and tell you where you can listen to other shows with Pat over the last couple of years. They're terrific shows and, and they're, they're podcasts. So you could listen to her first two chapters and learn all about her previous lives into this one. Um, so there's a lot to tell, Pat. So let's just sort of jump into it with how you uh, got into doing to, to doing this work. Uh, with you know your last uh, novel, the blasphemers, and just just describe because this is a whole story in itself. So let's let's get going with this story. Uh, yeah, I uh, I'm actually the blasphemers was the third in my Africa series. The fourth uh, is called the death on the Lord's day. There's a kind of Ten Commandments theme going yeah. on here. Uh, and that is uh, in the pipeline to be published. And I'm working on um, the on the fifth one, which takes place in 1915. But when I was researching the blasphemers, uh, and I've done a lot of research, I didn't really know uh, about uh, FGM, and I didn't really uh, understand anything about it. But I was I was um, researching the Maasai tribe because uh, uh, the, the series takes place during colonialism mm -hmm. and the colonial power, which in this case was Great Britain, was um, uh, in the year 1913. 
they were moving thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of Maasai off land that they had occupied for a millennium. Mm. And uh, and I wanted to set my murder mystery against that background. But when I started to research that uh, that tribe of people, I came across by chance, as one does, uh, doing kind of broad stroke research, mm -hmm. I came across something about missionaries. And missionaries in ninth, started in 1906 uh, were working against this practice that we now call FGM and trying to get it outlawed. And what I read said FGM, FGM, what the heck is that? I didn't know what it was. Hmm. And I and I Googled it and all of a sudden, man, oh man, this was just the most astonishing, horrifying thing to me mm -hmm. uh, as a 21st century woman. And I do call myself a 21st century mm -hmm. woman, even though I was born before the middle of the, night of the 20th <laughs> century. It's okay. I'm still alive. So right. I'm, I'm all right with that. Uh, but anyway, I was horrified by it. And the, and I also came across a lot of information about what's going on with it now. And I thought, wow, this is really going on now. But I was going to write a book that took place more than 100 years ago. So I better get busy with that. And I wrote the book. And in the end, what I did was I made the practice uh, of, uh, of cutting uh, girls and then forcing them into marriage uh, a part of the story. So the, uh, it was a little bit of a spoiler, mm -hmm. uh, but it doesn't really spoil the whole book. But the blas in The Blasphemers, the, dead, the first dead body who shows up is the Anka Moritani, the woman who does the, uh, the um, uh, operation on, on the young girls. And she is killed. And so in the background of the story, there is this, the story is not just about that. It's about the moving of the, of the Maasai. It's about a lot of other things, but it became an integral part of the story. And I was happy uh, to be able to talk about it because I knew that it was still going on. Um. Fast forward a little bit, the book was, had just come out and I was in Nairobi and I was uh, meeting with a friend who was introduced to me by somebody I went to college uh, with and uh, he was going to come and have dinner with me. He's a, 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 a ranger, he's a, a conservation ranger mm. in Kenya. And uh, he asked me if he could bring his wife. And I said, sure. So I met this woman, Sarah, and I she's a teacher. And when we started to talk, I found out that she had started an effort to stop the practice in her village in, in uh, the wilderness in northern Kenya. Mm. Uh, and uh, a, uh, she belongs to a pastoralist tribe. They, they don't call themselves Maasai, but they, they are in the Maasai culture. 
And, uh, and I found out that what she was doing was trying to save girls mm. who were in her school from what Sarah calls the retrogressive practices. Right. And I, she says, and I say this, and it kind of hurts my instinct for humility, that she knew when she met me, it was going to make, I, I was going to get involved. And uh, she has come, she has come upon a way to fight these retrogressive practices that really works. Mm -hmm. And I feel absolutely privileged. I don't know how I got to be this person. Mm -hmm. I mean, I grew, you know, I grew up in Patterson, New Jersey. What am I, how is it that I mm. get to be the person who helps her? And so it's really kind of transformed my energy level. And I'm, uh, I'm uh, grateful that I yeah. have an opportunity. Yeah. Well, you uh, sometimes uh, uh, life writes your art. So um you know that's it just it just happens and because you're there and you're paying attention and you you follow up and and you take action so um so let's uh, just give me a little bit more background on Sarah so you met her and tell us a little bit about her um and uh, and, and about uh in our previous conversations you had some interesting stories about things that you know I, I would never know about um you know the sort of the, the practice of growing up, and I mean every culture has its different um, rights of you know young adulthood, um, and it's certainly different for young girls and and young uh, men in Kenya, and and I guess you mentioned this uh, pastoralist tribe, so that's I, I assume that means that they basically agrarian, but they they raise animals. Is that right? They, yes, they raise animals. They're right. they're not agricultural at all. Right. Uh, they're uh, all of their sustenance comes from animals, uh, cows uh, uh, or cows and goats. In northern Kenya, where Sarah is, it's cows and goats mostly, but also camels. Mm. And their food uh, comes, and this is typical of the typical diet, too, of the Maasai. The Maasai uh, uh, are throughout uh, Kenya, south of where Sarah is, and and then into Tanzania. So, uh, but basically, their diet is um, comes from from cows uh, or goats, and it's uh, with cows, it's milk and goats, it's milk, but cows also with cows blood. Hmm. Uh, and so they're they don't raise vegetables. They're not they're not agricultural at all. Right. So. Um... So Sarah herself was um, subject to these kinds of practices, right? I mean, yes, she was. She was. Uh, uh, what she uh, she told me is that she was um, uh, she was she was circumcised. She was cut herself, uh, but she was not forced into marriage, and she wasn't uh forced to leave school that's what happens what typically happens and it's still happening today and it happens to almost all girls unless somehow somebody finds a way to save them from it within their community 
uh, the girls go through a process. And actually, there's the first thing that happens in that culture is called beating. And beating, I'm sorry to say this because I think some of our listeners are going to be horrified and I have to uh, I have to warn mm -hmm. uh, them that this is um, not a pretty story, but it's a happy story when it comes to the end of what's going on now. So mm -hmm. stick with us, folks. Okay. I promise we'll get through this fast but what happens is when girls are are uh, nine years old typically they are beaded that means that a young man um uh takes a liking to them when they're nine years old uh the way the the culture is is that the that the boys are uh circumcised when they are between 15 and 17 but they don't marry. They become what are called El Moran. They become the warrior group. Now, there isn't much need for a warrior group uh, these days, but that's what they do. And they uh, they typically choose a, a very young girl to become their sex partner. And she is given to them uh, by the uh, uh, for that purpose mm -hmm. and um and in that and they have that relationship i won't go into details but it i don't i think people can use their imagination right. Right. pretty awful but then the girls when they are uh when they go through puberty they are then typically um they're uh, we'll say circumcised mm -hmm. they are then sold into marriage uh and typically uh, in exchange for animals for cows because th this is not a a, a cash society this mm -hmm. is a uh, a bartering society so typically um it's cows so the girls be uh, are sold and they could be sold as a first wife or they could be sold as a fourth fourth wife uh, I once, uh, in an effort against this whole practice in Tanzania, I once met a girl who was 12 and her father was getting ready to sell her to a 57-year-old man in exchange for a truckload of beer. Mm. Um, so this is the fate of these girls. And mm -hmm. so once they they are 9, 10 uh, years old, they're not in school anymore. Um, even the ones who stay in school until they're marriageable, they don't go to school anymore and they become a first, a second, third, fourth, fifth wife in a, in a marriage mm -hmm. and, uh, and they're chattel, uh, they're mm -hmm. sold. Mm -hmm. Uh, and this horrifies me and I'm sure it horrifies our readers too. I, uh, it, it's, it's a horrible thing to have to talk about, mm -hmm. but when a girl refuses to that the law is on her side. Mm. It is against the law in the country of Kenya for these things to happen to girls. But nobody goes around and in, enforcing the law. The law is enforced when somebody makes a complaint. Mm -hmm. uh, that happens all over the world in law-abiding cultures. Uh, and so uh, the girls... Uh, if if somebody stops 
this from happening to them be uh, then what happens typically is they are banished hmm. they they don't uh they lose their contact with their with their mothers who are silent by by um uh, culturally silenced and the mothers don't usually have a say the fathers uh sell the daughters if they and if they can't do it then the then some, if the mother intervenes and saves the girl from this terrible fate um the mother can be banished and the problem in that culture is if you don't all the animals belong to the men they belong to the older men and if you don't have animals, you don't eat. And if there isn't somebody who has animals who is willing to feed you, then you don't eat. So what's going to happen to these girls? And typically, I've known about an effort in Tanzania where the girls are taken away. There's a, there's a Mary Noel missionary, an American uh, woman from New Jersey that I've known for years who's had a... a a hostel where she takes in these girls, makes sure that they finish school and, and sends them and saves them from all of that. But they have to go somewhere. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so that's the culture. That's how it works. And right. if the girls are going to be saved, they can be because the police will come and enforce mm -hmm. the law if somebody calls them. So the first thing that Sarah learned, well, anyway, this happened to Sarah when she was a girl. Right. She was she was uh, circumcised when she was fourteen, but she got to finish school. But in her uh, youth, at fourteen, fifteen uh, years old, maybe uh, a little bit older, her cousin, who was her best friend, was circumcised, and this is not a. a surgery that's done in a hospital with an anesthesiologist mm -hmm. and uh and antibiotics this is something that's done uh in a very in a very primitive kind of way and so her what happened to her cousin happens to a lot of people that this has girls and women that this happens to she got a terrible infection and she died mm. and Sarah decided when she was 16, 17 years old, this should not happen. People should not die. This was terrible. Right. And so she decided that she was going to she was going to become a teacher and she was going to devote her life to stopping mm. from happening. Happening. Wow. Yeah. So we're going to take a quick break, Pat, uh, and then pick up this story. Um, it's a fascinating story of Sarah and you and the Sadai Resource Center. So, folks, we have a lot more coming in our, in our next segment. Yeah, and it's the happy part is coming. <laughs> That's part. great to know. So, don't go away. Uh, we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. 
If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania, and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance of success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks, to 45 Forward. We're talking today with Patricia King, a historical mystery novelist and an accidental turns intentional social activist. We're talking about her efforts to working with a Maasai woman named Sarah uh, to rescue young girls um, from uh, regressive practices in Kenya. And before the break, we were talking about um, essentially uh, Sarah's background and how she got involved in this uh, project. And uh, so we're going to pick up that story uh, about about Sarah and how she started the Sadai Resource Center. So take it away, Pat. Well, so, so anyway, Sarah became a, a teacher. She uh, has uh, an undergraduate degree in education, mm-hmm. and she has a master's degree in education. And she decided to get a an, a second master's degree in leadership because she wants to teach girls and women to be leaders. Mm. And, uh, and she's, she's an astonishing, uh, woman. And, uh, when I, when I met her, um, she, uh, had what she had been doing for about 10 years when I met her, which was four years ago, she had taken girls who were refusing FGM and forced marriage into her home because they, they, if, as I said, if girls say no, they don't have any place to live. They don't have anybody to feed and clothe them uh, and so forth. So she took them into her own home and she raised, uh, she has two children of her own, but she raised them uh, uh, as her children and she kept them in school and, and took care of them. And that, that's how she started out. Uh, when I met her, she had 10 girls in uh, living with her. And she already had one who came to her at the age of nine and grew up and went to secondary school and and then went to uh, nursing school. And she's a nurse now. Mm. Uh, So this is such a difference between what these children are aimed at and what their culture dictates to them and what can really happen. And uh, and Sarah's philosophy is different from that of any other group that I know of. There are many 
um, individuals and many small organizations that are are keep cha- saving girls from this one girl at a time. And that's what uh, uh, Sarah is doing too. But what Sarah is doing is she's keeping the girls in the village where they were born, where they were growing up. And that is the genius thing about Sarah, because most of the time what happens if a girl escapes from all of this, she goes, she's taken away. And so somewhere else, maybe her mother takes her to one of these hostels, like Mm -hmm. the one that I know of in, in Arusha, Tanzania, which is a wonderful organization. And I take nothing away from that. But the girl is then gone. And she's taken out of the village. But Sarah keeps them. They keep going to the same school. They're in her house, but they're safe from those practices. And they are finishing school. And and they it makes a difference in a lot of ways that they stay in mm-hmm. the village. Um, when I met Sarah, as I said, she had 10 girls that she had in her house um working together she and i and i've and i've recruited some friends to help with this and mm-hmm. there's and she has now a nonprofit that's recognized in kenya and we now have a friends supportive group that's now uh, uh recognized in the united states so that we can raise money for this and we're going to need it because we now have 43 girls. There are 43 girls. If they aren't in Sarah's house, they have uh, a, 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 a nice building. It's not, nothing spectacularly uh, elegant, but they have a nice building uh, that's their dormitory. We, uh, they have a little library. Uh, the girls are in school. They have their, their little uniforms that they're uh, wearing. There's a cook. There's a matron. There's a guard because mm-hmm. somebody might uh, want to uh, harm this pro- this process, and uh, and they're living. And there are forty three of them now. And I'm doing the happy dance every day. I right. can't tell you what it a joy it is to work with this effort, to, because I have pictures of girls sitting and reading books mm-hmm. when they could be used and abused and suffering yeah instead they're not right so fat so but i'm sure this is quite challenging you know to keep them in the community it's obviously great for the girls but i'm sure it changes the community tell me a bit about the reactions of people in the community especially their families i'm sure it it challenges some of the long-standing practices and and upsets people so how do you reintegrate them and how do you keep them there and how do you i guess just to be blunt how do you keep them safe well they're safe because uh, it's against the law for anybody okay. to to try and and take them uh and force them mm-hmm. uh and and there are still people who agree to these practices because it's the only future that they know mm-hmm. you know it's so culturally embedded uh but for that's 
the beauty of keeping them in the in the village. So how do they react? Well, typically the fathers who now are being um, robbed of their of their uh, um, daughters chattel. who can be yes their chattel who can be who can be uh, uh, exchanged for cows and they want more cows uh, because cows are wealth in that culture uh, they get mad um, and uh, and in the past they've gotten very mad um, but Sarah stands up to that. And uh, there, there are two girls now who are uh, involved in this. And one, the one I told you, she went to nursing school and she came back as a nurse. Well, when when she went to live with Sarah, refusing FGM and forced marriage, her father was very angry and he went to Sarah and he complained. And Sarah, fearless as she is, stood up to him and said, Look, she said, I'm helping you raise your child. Um, uh, you're you're wrong about this. She can be somebody. And he he went away angry. And that girl did not see her father. She did not uh, uh, see her. She saw her mother on the sly. She didn't see her. But she finished school. She went. She went away. They have to go away to high school in the, when they live in the wilderness because there there isn't a high school in every village. There's not right. enough kids uh, for that. So she went away to high school, and she went to nursing school, and she came back to the village as a nurse. And this is why I'm doing the happy dance, and so is Sarah, because now this girl came back and she's a nurse. She has, she's one of the most important people in the village now. She is their healthcare provider. There isn't, right. there wasn't a nurse, there wasn't a doctor, there was nobody. And now there was maybe four hours walk away, you could get to a clinic somewhere. But now there's a nurse in the village. And this man went back to Sarah and said, you told me you were helping me raise my child. And you were right. You were helping me raise my child. And he gave Sarah a goat. Now, this is in a culture where animals do not belong to women. Mm. They only belong to men. No such thing as a woman gets an animal. But he gave Sarah a goat. Mm -hmm. because he was happy with what happened. And this is why I am so, uh, this wasn't, ha wasn't happening four or five years ago, and it certainly isn't happening in most places that have this culture right now. But this is the genius of what she's doing. Mm -hmm. She keeps them in the village, and when they're finished their education, they come back as educated women capable mm. of things. Wow. So it's, it's, um, and, and I, as I, I can't say enough, I'm a, I feel privileged that I get to be a part of this effort that's making 180 degree difference in the futures of right. these girls who can grow up to be somebody and yeah. they will. Yeah. And they will 
change the lives of men. <laughs> so it sounds yeah. like this father, you know, I hope he talks to other fathers and, and there's a ripple effect that people can see this. I think that's the one important thing I see is that they can see the results of this. It's not just taking their family away. They come back and they are full-fledged members of this community. Absolutely perfectly stated, Ron. I'm not surprised. Uh, but th that's exactly it. They're in the community and they're there. Now, th I'll tell you, this is the funniest story. You know, well, my friends are teasing me about it because uh, there's another girl who is uh, just graduated from high school. Uh, her name is Sonia, and she wants to be a doctor. And uh, and I'm determined that nothing is going to stop her from from getting uh, uh, going through with that. But her father was another one who was angry when he didn't get to sell her into marriage. But she just graduated uh, with uh, honors from secondary school. And what Sarah does, which is very uh, brilliant, is there when when girls are beaded or when they're when they're circumcised, they're dressed up and they're and there's uh, they're looking very beautiful and they're and they're uh, samburu regalia uh, and uh, and they're paraded around and it's like being a bride in the mm -hmm. in the United States. And uh, and that doesn't happen to girls who refuse all of that. So she dresses them up and puts and puts all their regalia on them and has a big party for them as they're coming of age. Um, uh, celebration is when they when they when they finish elementary school and when they finish secondary school. So Sonia was the only one last year to uh, uh, to uh, finish secondary school and and she's and go and she's ready to go on to college and she was being feted and her father who had been angry and upset when she first went to live with Sarah mm -hmm. um, got uh, came to Sarah and said how are you doing this that how, how can you, you know, now there's a building here. What, what, how are you making this happen? And Sarah said, well, there's this woman in New York. <laughs> and, and, and Sonia's father said, when that woman comes here, I'm going to give her a cow. <laughs> okay. Right. She's and I and first of all, you know, that's funny. I mean, my friend, I told my friends, I said, there's there's a Samburu man in northern Kenya wants to give me a cow. A man wants to give a cow to a woman. Come mm -hmm. on. This is a big deal. And my friends were, were all teasing me about how am I going to get the cow home to New York? Right. <laughs> what, what, will we have to go? Is there a cow class? <laughs> and then and uh, and uh, one of my friends who's in involved with this now is she's supporting the effort to she said how are you going to get the cow into your apartment and I said well I don't we'll fit on the passenger elevator maybe it'll fit on the freight <laughs> elevator we've been you know we've been laughing about it but he wants to give a cow to a woman mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. these two men these two fathers are changing their outlook and 
there are people in that village who understand what's going on. And I'm sure there were some who just despised the whole idea, mm-hmm. but she's not trying to change everything about the culture, just this. Mm-hmm. And, and she is changing the minds and hearts of men. And there's a young man who uh, is a volunteer. He's in his twenties mm-hmm. and he has, a, he has gotten an undergraduate degree in computer science and he's getting a law degree and he's a volunteer. Mm-hmm. And so he's helping with the computer uh, fine. Cause now, you know, we have to have financial reports and all kinds of that stuff. And so he's helping with all of that. And he does, he helps with all the techie stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's, he's a volunteer and he's a person who would have been take who was on a path when he was born to mm-hmm. be taking advantage of these girls at a very right. young age and instead he is saving them he is helping to save them right so that's what we're all doing and we're all happy doing it we're just full of energy and joy um and 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 th- and that's one of the things i feel um strongly about mm-hmm. that there's joy to be had right. not this in, in, this is a particular passion that i have that i came upon in a certain right. way but there are so many uh ways that people can find joy and making other people's lives better. Right. Yeah. So we're going to talk a lot more about that. Um, and then our third segment, um, uh, when, when I, I want to talk a bit, a little bit more about that woman in New York <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and how you've been uh, helping them and what it is you've done, uh, uh, you know, stateside to help this uh, project uh, move forward. So don't go away. Anyone. We have one more segment. You'll want to listen to this last segment with Patricia King. We'll be right back. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Tune in to Melody Edmondson's The Space of the Waste radio program. This companion piece to her successful guidebook series, The Space of the Waste, focuses on body types and how to make your waist length flattering, no matter what your body type is. Guests include designers, merchandise managers, factory owners, and more. You'll also find out what accessories will complement your body shape and waist length. Tune in every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Variety. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. 
From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks. We're talking with Pat King, uh, a historical mystery novelist, but also now in uh, her latest chapter of her life, uh, working with a group in Kenya to uh, rescue young girls from regressive practices and uh, help them become full-fledged citizens of their society. So uh, Sarah, I mean, uh, Pat has been supporting a woman named Sarah in Kenya um, with her building the Sadai uh, Resource Center. Uh, but this has involved a lot of work stateside here, which Pat has taken the lead with many other folks. But basically, so tell us, Pat, how you've managed to basically create a, you know, a mechanism to help them back in Kenya. Well, uh, you know, when I first met Sarah, um, as I said, uh, I had just learned about all of this and mm -hmm. over uh, and I met her it's probably four or five years ago I don't know about anybody else but does everybody have this problem where we went through lockdown for a year and every mm -hmm. day was like every other day and now we don't know how long ago anything <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think everybody I at least I do I have that problem but anyway Sarah and I started out uh by uh, I started out helping in a in a in a minor uh, way, uh, and, but uh, eventually I saw that Sarah had a very special approach to this problem, which as I said at the beginning, missionaries in, in 1906 were fighting against this and it's still going on. So this is a thorny problem, but she had a special way uh, of doing it that I thought had um, a particular uh, advantage. But I also knew how nonprofits work in the United States. I'm on the board of, a, of, of a, the Hudson Valley Shakespeare Festival, and I, I'm a member of uh, another um, organization where I've been on the board. And it just seemed to me that if if this was going to really expand mm -hmm. and if Sarah was going to get to the point where she could show other people who are against this, these practices, how to do them, that she would have to have a structure. And so uh, little by little, we've been creating that. The first thing I told her was that she needed to get nonprofit status in uh, within Kenya and uh, and so she did, and she called her effort the Sadai Resource Center, and she had and she got that. And now um, we, you know, I've been spending time, and my friends and I 
that I've recruited, just uh, people, people really like this effort and, and they want to be involved. It's not, it's not difficult to get people to, uh, 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 to uh, want to help. And so I have a friend who uh, has a lifelong um she she's she's been uh involved with and been in charge of and run nonprofits herself in the United States so she knows a lot about running nonprofits right and i know a lot about the kind of financial record keeping and all of that that would be necessary and then one of the hardest things was figuring out how we were going to get nonprofit status in the United States, because that can be a very, very expensive um, uh, organization issue because th there's lawyers and accountants and reports to the IRS. But we finally have ourselves in the United States. We uh, have through an organization called CAF America, we have nonprofit status in the United States. So we there's a nonprofit that helps nonprofits and we found them and they've helped us. So now we have that. We have three of us in the United States are members of the board of trustees of the Sadai Resource Center in Kenya. Mm -hmm. So we're the American friends uh, of the Sadai Resource Center. And we're certainly looking for more people to to join in uh, and help us. So if anybody in our audience wants uh, to get in on this and help the process, we would love to have them. And what's the, uh, the, the, the website? You can go on and to, to donate or, or find out more about the, uh, yes. the resource center. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, www dot sidai mm -hmm. s s i d a i resource center, and the center is spelled c e n t r e because right. they that, that's the way they do it there. <laughs> that's the way they do it in the in the former British colony that is now Kenya, um, and dot uh, org, but. Yeah, but it, uh, but I, I think we've got it set up so that even if people spell it wrong, they find us. Okay. Uh, and and there's there's it's a very simple website. It isn't anything elaborate, but uh, there are pictures of of Sarah. There are pictures of the girls, uh, and there's an explanation. And there's a button you can click on to uh, to make a donation. But even better, there's a, a, a page where you can click and send us a message and say, uh, I, I think I have something to offer. Uh, if, you, uh, uh, if people want to get involved, uh, there, are, uh, there are three of us who are on the board, uh, the uh, Kenyan board, and then there are um, four other uh, friends of mine who have uh, who meet occasionally to talk and to work and to solve problems and to uh, plan for the uh, future of the organization and to congratulate each other 
uh, on the accomplishments uh, of the girls. Uh, And we've seen them through. They had a terrible drought that just ended there. So we had to see everybody through that. But we managed to get all the girls fed and uh, healthy uh, despite the drought. So there's 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 joy to be had uh, in this. And uh, there's work to be done. And people bring, all my friends have different um, different capabilities. One knows a lot about techie stuff. And mm-hmm. another one knows a lot about how um, organizations, uh, nonprofit organizations are run. And another one knows a lot about um, uh, financial record keeping. So we all bring our skills as well as our energy and uh, and determinations and work together and and it's just a joy to to have this project to do yeah. together. Yeah, I I see. Um, I've read. Uh, I've been on the site and I've read your blog, the historic mystery writers blog, and it's interesting because uh, on your blog uh, for your uh, colleagues in the mystery writing community. Uh, when you've updated them on what's going on, there have been some extraordinary responses from people who you don't expect, but who've had experiences in this realm of, and they know about these practices. And some of them, I was actually surprised. Like, wow, they, they've actually had personal experiences. So it really resonates yeah. with a lot of people you don't expect. Yeah, there are. And the, the, one of the things that I am so grateful to you about today, Ron, is just the opportunity to talk about the subject because a number of those people you've probably noticed uh, have said that they knew about the practice and knew it was going on. But most people who respond, uh, there's, I got a, uh, I got an email from a woman in New Zealand who said, I thought this was over with, I thought they weren't doing this anymore. I got an email from a woman in, uh, in Portugal, who said, I can't believe that this is going on in the 21st century. Um, so one of the things that I feel strongly about, and you are giving me a wonderful opportunity today to talk about this, and that is that people know what's going on, that people understand that these, that that there are tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of girls who are being subjected to this just in Kenya, just in the pastoralist uh, villages. And my feeling is the more light we shine on these awful practices, the less, the the more likely help will come. Right, right, yeah. And and they will be done away with. Yeah, and and this does you know touch. We we started to talk about this earlier, but I just wanted to end on this note too about you know this is sort of part of my mission of forty five forward is just really emphasizing you know the ability that we all have to make a contribution all the way through life to you know keep a sense of meaning and purpose, and um, you know this is uh, you know the, I I just wrote a blog about you know. Uh, love in a time of ageism and and this is you know this is february valentine's day month and and this is how to me this is how we continue to show love all the way through our lives 
even after we've raised our families. And but this is what we can contribute as older folks. And uh, I, I, I just so I want to underline, you know, your efforts. You, you could certainly have said, "Hey, I'm a successful historical mystery writer," and said, nah, "I'm going to just cruise now and just enjoy myself," which you're, which you're still doing. But that doesn't Except mean. That where would I get this kind of joy? For I mean, that's <laughs> all nice. It's great. But this is, hey, I, I can't. I, I. It's a privilege that I get a chance to do this. And and uh, you know, I'm a very old lady, and I, I we've talked about this. Uh, people say, "Don't say you're old. You don't seem old." Well, old is not decrepit. Old is not dead. And I'm not dead. I'm alive and doing this is keeping me so full of energy and so full of joy. So I recommend it. <laughs> Highly recommended five stars. Excellent. Okay. Well, folks, uh, if you miss my conversation with Pat today, you can listen to it as a podcast on voiceamerica.com. Just search for my show 45 forward. You can also find it on Apple and Google podcasts, Spotify and iHeartRadio. Or go to my website, RoelResources.com, and click on the 45 Forward tab. Now, before I do, I just wanted to, once again, um, Pat, to let people know um, uh, the, uh, about the website for the Sidai uh, Resource Center, S-I-D-A-I-R-E-S. Uh, no. Oh, Sidai. Yeah, no, go ahead. You were right. Yeah, Sidai. S-I-D-A-I. Yes, S-I-D-A-I, Resource Center, C-E-N-T-R-E.org. Um, that's the website you can find out more about it. Um, and you could also find out much more about Pat's career and her historical mystery writing uh, by going to, to uh, her website and going to her pen name, which is AnnaMariaAlfieri.com. Uh, that's Anna with two N's, Maria Alfieri, A-L-F-I-E-R-I.com. Just Google it. You'll find it. Um, and you could find out all about her, her historical mysteries. Um, and, uh, uh, is, is that the best way to contact you, Pat? What's the, yes, to, absolutely. And they can send me uh, messages over my website, or send us uh, send our group messages over the Sadai Resource uh, uh, Center website too. We would love to hear from the audience, uh, whatever they have to say. We would love to have some feedback from uh, from them, and uh, and give them a chance to make a difference great great okay um once again my thanks to pat for a, a terrific conversation some of it difficult but as you mentioned ultimately quite joyful and uh that's the essence of life is being able to maintain that joy so folks uh be sure to join me next monday 12 noon pacific 3 p.m eastern time when i'll be talking with ann monroe who's an art advocate of older people so we'll be continuing our conversation about ageism and her commitment to fighting ageism over her 40 years of experience. Uh, so, folks, um, keep moving forward. 45 Forward. Thank you for tuning in to 45 Forward. Please join your host, Ron Roel, for another great show next Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We wish you a great week.